Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. So glad to be here with everyone this Sunday, a beautiful Sunday. Aren't we so glad it is warmer today than it was earlier in the week? Yes. Hey, oh, big welcome to our, <laughs> I heard a no, oh my goodness. A big welcome to our friends on Zoom as well. We are glad to have you with us this Sunday as well. We are City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it's just good to be here together. So a few just little words of welcome and introduction specifically for the people who are here in person, just in case uh, it is your first Sunday with us. It's always nice to know a few things like where the bathrooms are. Uh, and so we have a door right behind us that if you take an immediate left, there's a bathroom right up those little stairs. And there are also a few bathrooms over here on the side. So we want to make sure that you feel comfortable. Um, we always love to welcome our kids in a special way. In a few minutes, we're going to invite any of the kids here with us uh, to go and have a story time and just play and do some crafts together for any kids who would like to. But our friend Megan Williams is going to come up and pray for the kiddos first. Yeah, thank you. Welcome, Megan. All right, let's pray for the kids this morning. God, thank you so much for the beautiful weather today and bringing us all to church this morning, um, whether that be from the comfort of our own home or here at Lafayette. Um, thank you for our kids. Thank you for who they are and what they mean to our community, um, that they play such an integral role in our, in our church community, our church family. I pray you'd bless them and keep them uh, today and this week as they go to school. Um, and may we just reflect the innocence that our kids bring. We can learn from them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate that. I'm Bill White. I'm the other co-pastor here. And uh, I want to say it's so great to see everybody. It makes me happy. So, um, We are starting a new sermon series today, uh, which is going through the season of Lent. Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, and it's a chance for... Christians around the world to sort of prepare themselves for kind of our high holy day, if it were, if you were to call it that, which is Easter, uh, celebrating Jesus. And so as we think about these 40 days, they start this Wednesday on Ash Wednesday, and we wanted to take some time and walk through some of the prayers of the Bible. Uh, and there's a book in the middle of the Bible, it's a kind of a collection of poems called the Psalms, and they're just simply... Um, some things that you can say to God, all right? Um, I had a, uh, a mentor once describe, there are 150 of these poems, and he described them as, uh, there are 150 things you can say to God without getting killed, <laughs> right? Because they're very honest, and they're very raw, and they have a lot of emotion in them. And there's this invitation for us to, to go on this journey Leading, leading into Easter. And as we do so, we're thinking about how there's a rhythm to our prayer life. Our prayer life is not always one way or the other. It typically follows our emotions, and that's all over the place. And we actually think that's normal and healthy. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at three major types of psalms, these prayer poems in the Bible. And what we're going to see is we'll, we'll see three major types, basically. If you broke it down, we're talking about uh, psalms of orientation, 
disorientation and reorientation. So the, the psalms of orientation are kind of like the song that, that Greg and Sarah just led us in. You know, God, you're good. You know, you're always going to be good. Like you, you feel like you've got clarity on who God is. The, the psalms of disorientation are like, where did you go? Like, why is my life so terrible? Why is there evil in the world? And the psalms of reorientation is this, they, they typically hold the tension saying, you are good and life is messy. So I'm going to seek to practice gratitude. Okay, so as we go on this journey over the next six weeks, um, I'm gonna, I want us to give us some example of some, of some emotions that we are allowed to feel and, and what they look like in, in the Psalms. So, oh, you guys can't really see it over there. Here you go. Um, so Psalms of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. And remember all emotions, Emotions are just emotions. They're neither good nor bad, right? We don't assign values to them. We embrace them and recognize, hey, this is what's going on in me. So think about praise. Like, that's orientation. Like, wow. Pain, like, ow. And then gratitude, like, hmm. Right? And then in orientation, you feel secure. In disorientation, you feel insecure. And then eventually, you're like, oh, I feel kind of content. Maybe a little bit of both. And again, chosen, abandoned, beloved, protected. You feel protected when you're in orientation. You feel very vulnerable when you're disoriented. And then the sense of empathy. Think about this, particularly how you relate to other people. Like, oh man, they, they can't mess with me. I got this, God's got me. Vulnerable, like, oh my gosh, I'm getting whooped on. And then empathy is the capacity to, to feel with others what they're going through. And so I, I'm, we're going to leave this up because as we talk through today, we're just giving an overview of this general rhythm, okay? And as we, as we look at this general rhythm, at different points, so we're going to talk about orientation, disorientation, and reorientation all today, but just, just touching on them, just pay attention. What are you feeling? Can you name it? Can you pay attention to it? Can you embrace it, it, regardless of where it is on the map? And say, oh, that's kind of where I am right now. And maybe you could remember back to feeling, oh, yeah, I, I, I certainly feel remember that, or, oh, I remember that, or I remember that. Oh, right. Give yourself a little perspective, right? So that's where we are. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read one of those poems today, Psalm 73. And this psalm in and of itself captures this whole movement. Some of them are just sort of dedicated to one side or the other, one, one of the columns or the other. Psalm 73 really captures all three. So uh, Isabel Arechiga, where are you? There she is. She is going to read scripture for us today. Give it up. Here you go. You ready? I'm reading off a sheet. Oh, oh you're reading off a sheet. <laughs> Let's see. Um, do you have a sheet for uh, Rubio? That'd be great. Um, and we're, why don't we stand in honor of God and God's word? If you're on Zoom, you can stand on your bed, or if you want, you don't have to. On Zoom, you know, we give you a lot of permission over there, so right. have at it. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. 
Short and sweet, right? Right to the point. Boom. Except you're going to notice that Isabel is staying right here um, because we realized, ooh, we're going to need to get into this a little bit more today. And you guys don't need to hear more from me and Bill. So Isabel is going to help us out periodically. Um, but that, that first verse that Isabel read is such a great example of orientation, a psalm, a prayer of orientation. Because orientation, these are the prayers that we learn when we're at the stage that is much more simple. Right, where there's almost a, a childlike approach to how we're learning about God, learning who God is. There's just something very simple. And sometimes I think people can feel a little bit like, you know, that when we think about this phase, the orientation phase, it somehow it's like, oh, it's childlike, right? Like it's, it's a little bit less than if you're in this stage of learning. And I'm not sure that's really particularly fair. Because you think about like a child learning how to read, it's not like, oh, they're just learning their ABCs. It's like, wow, they're learning their ABCs. This is amazing. This is exactly where they're supposed to be. Because as they learn their ABCs, it's gonna open up all sorts of doors, right? Right? I mean, this is this is just where you start. And when you're in that place, it's just amazing. And, and it's actually hard work. It's the appropriate work for that season. And so spiritually, too, there are some things that are probably like spiritual ABCs. Like this is just where we start. This is just how it works. And it's not bad. It's like it's good. It's amazing. You're learning. It's probably exciting. It's thrilling. You're starting to make connections that you had never seen before. A lot of times there's a lot of enthusiasm, right? Like these are good words here that you, you're feeling like, wow, I'm full of praise. I feel secure, chosen, protected. Man, those are awesome feelings to have. Now here's one of the things that can get a little tricky though in this phase of orientation. Uh, and I was thinking about this especially because some of us, uh, some of the parents in the room, we gathered about a month ago now uh, with a, a friend of ours, a church planter out more Inland Empire named Meredith Miller, who's really, really good uh, when it comes to thinking about kids and their spirituality. Kids, so again, kids who are definitely in that ABC stage, this orient, orientation stage in terms of their spirituality. And one of the things that Meredith points out all the time is that we have this tendency to want to make the orientation season about morality, to make it about rules. Like, let's learn to do this, that, and the other. And here's like the, check, the checklist that, that I need to follow if I'm going to be like a good Christian, right? If I'm going to follow Jesus, here's the checklist. Here's how I'm gonna be like a good person, because isn't that the point of following Jesus? What if it's not? I mean, I'm not saying it's not good to be a good person. I'd, I'd love it if we could all be good people, right? I'm trying to be one myself, you know, hit or miss, day by day, how I'm doing with that. But uh, I think it's a good thing, but I'm not actually sure what, that's what this season is about. Think about this verse that Isabel just read for us. Surely God is good. Like, what if the ABCs in this season aren't about, like, learning your checklist? It's not even about getting a bunch of head knowledge. It's about actually learning who God is and learning in a way that is, like, deeply experiential. God is good. That's why I feel secure. Not because I'm doing everything right, because none of us are going to do everything right. 
but just because God's good and God loves me. What if the reason we read the Bible isn't, again, to learn the rules, get the right beliefs stuck in our, stuck in our head, but because that's one of the ways that we get to experience God, particularly as we read and we learn about Jesus. I mean, that's why we talk so much about Jesus here at City Church, because there's this overall sense of the scripture that he's the very representation of God. I mean, there's so much we don't know about God, and I actually deeply embrace that. God is mysterious in all sorts of ways, and I find that really comforting um, because it helps me remember that I don't have to have everything figured out. In fact, I can't. God is deeply mysterious, but there are also these ways that, yeah, we do get to know God, and especially in Jesus. We read these stories, and we go, oh, look, Jesus is the kind of person who eats with anybody, who is friends with all sorts of people, and Wow, God is like that too, isn't it? Isn't God? Like, Jesus is so loving. Jesus is so just. Jesus is so welcoming. Oh, God is like that too. Oh. Like, those are the kind of ABCs we're actually being invited into uh, in this season to just know who God is and to experience God and to believe that we are, we are deeply loved and God is deeply present. So one of the invitations during this season of Lent, uh, for anybody who would like to, there's certainly no pressure, but some of us are going to be reading a book together. And there are something like 35 to 40 little prayers uh, that actually follow this pattern of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And every day, Monday through Friday, there's going to be an invitation, hey, read a new prayer, and then come post in a little online group that we have connected through a church app. Um, and, and they're amazing. And the very first reading, the one that we're going to be doing, it's either Wednesday or Thursday this week, there was an example of what a prayer of orientation might look like. Um, not a psalm as is written in the Bible, but an amazing writer just writing her own psalm, her song in this particular season of her life. And it goes like this. God, teach us to pause in this moment, to tuck ourselves into the curve of your slow arm, that we may know the miracle of now, the gift of this moment. You beside and beyond us, welcoming us outside of all we measure and standing with us in it. May we see the goodness of our still hours and days, sunrises, sunsets, and the darkness where our rest is found. Order us that we may stand within time holding your hand, that we may know we are enough, not because of what we make of these hours, but because within these hours with you, we are being made. It's a psalm of orientation. So good. You, know, you hear the, the kids cooing or playing or, you know, and you just think that's the sound, right, of orientation. It's like, ah, oh, the goodness. Um, so we're going to pause here for a brief moment, and we're going to hear a story. Uh, just kind of a life story that captures a little bit of this arc, and then we're going to jump back in to disorientation and reorientation. So Shannon Jenkins, if you would welcome her up. Oh, yes. Shannon's been dying to take the stage. Oh, yeah. She lives for this kind of stuff. Love to be the center of attention. Yeah. Yeah, this is so great. So you. Yeah. So me, so, so you. me, so just good. really thriving. Up yeah, I love yeah. that. So, um, so tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey, about growing up, your family. Like, what was God like? I, kind of the, kind of the intro to the story. 
Yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. That's where I grew up. Also, happen to be where you're from. Yeah, so we um, both grew up in the suburbs of Richmond. Um, and so growing up there was really beautiful, a really great place. Um, but, it, you know, it's not incredibly racially diverse or like uh, there's not a whole lot of different like income levels. It's primarily white middle class people. So um, I was lucky and privileged enough to like grow up in that life. Um, but also just like didn't really see a lot of the world's problems, you know. Um, my parents loved me ferociously and definitely like sheltered me as much as they could from their own problems, but also the community that we were in also did its fair share of like sheltering us and I don't know, just protecting us like, yeah. like we talked about. Yeah. Um, and you, you felt protected. Felt protected, yeah. Secure. And Yes, all of the, all of these. And yeah. church, how about the churchy thing? Yeah, and so um, you know, my family's identity was really rooted in the church. Um, I went to a Southern Baptist mega church growing up, so it was very large, and we my family had gone there for like decades, and so people knew who they were. My dad was a deacon, and my mom led Sunday school, and so it wasn't just like me who had a strong faith, but our entire family really grew up um, like taking the church very seriously. And um, because of that, and also just like being a part of like really great youth ministries, um, I had always seen God as like this really fun and loving God and associated God with like playing games and like whispering <laughs> awesome. with your friends and just like having a good time. It's like and the best. So, right, it was the best. And so I was like, oh yeah, God is great, God is good, God loves me and, and my family is chosen and secure. And yeah. it was just like, yeah. The epitome of stability. Yeah. yeah, and then the rest of your life has always been that way. Oh, yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh the, the, it wasn't? It wasn't, Oh, no. your 20s. The, yes, the yes. The 20s, yes. <laughs> the beloved 20s, yeah. So um, I came out as bisexual in college, and I think a lot of people expect that to be the part of my story where they're like, oh, you must have felt like some distance from God. And it's like, no, actually, like, I felt, me and God were like, tight as ever you know hey, it, that's it awesome. was everyone else who i felt like i don't know like society didn't understand but like me and god were super close um it wasn't actually until i came and moved out to california um so i was about through four different jobs <laughs> which was so a lot of fun was, i recall that was super fun super fun uh, and I just was constantly feeling the weight of like transitioning and being like, why can't I get this right? Like my parents have sacrificed so much to put me through college and to like give me a super secure and stable upbringing. And I feel like I'm letting them down by constantly telling them like this one didn't work out and stuff like that. And, and so how about the God thing? Was God in, in that? God was, was incredibly silent. Yeah, which was, which was the scariest part of all of it. Yeah, is that like there was never a time more where I was 
praying really hard and like I felt like having a lot of conversations around God and looking for God and I was just like met with such silence and I started to really resent God and so it was incredibly challenging yeah, yeah. And we all take a deep breath and just yeah. honor that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's been a transition for you in the last few months even. For sure. Right? Yeah. Where, you, where there's this like, what were some of the things that led into you feeling a little bit more kind of reoriented? Yeah. Um, so funny enough that you should bring up mentorship just a few weeks ago. Um, I was talking to my friend Emily, who I, is someone who I feel like is a spiritual mentor in my life. And... She was like, I feel like you've exhausted talking to people about this. Like, although we can hear from God for sure and other people, she's like, at a certain point, like you should try opening up your Bible, it, which I feel like is something that like, as people who grew up in the church, you forget to do because you're like, oh, I know these stories. Like there's right. nothing new yeah. for me yeah, to yeah, rediscover sure. here. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was kind of like a, a last thought last on my mind. I was, I was like, I can't <laughs> like, yeah, so like good. I, I guess I actually should. And she was like, I would start with reading the book of Job. And so I read through that and really like outlined it, like, and took more notes than I've like ever taken, like when reading the Bible and um, just like found myself in that story. And I was just like, I, this was the first time that I had really seen someone crying out to God and being like, really, just like really grappling with God, as opposed to the stories that you hear when you're a child where it's like, Oh, and this little kid fed 5,000 people. Yeah. And so it was Hello. like, oh, yeah. Boom. There is right. pain in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. And so after reading that story, I at least started to feel some contentment and peace, even though, like, the work journey wasn't over. Um, I would later after that take another job that I was like, oh, this one's actually going really well. Like, I'm going to be here for a while. And then lo and behold, it... Um, shut its doors right at the same time that I was like ending a lease. And then I ended up, Couch you know, surfing. unemployed and living on my friend's dining room floor um, <laughs> at 29. And that was, you know, a little humbling experience. Yeah. Um, but ironically, throughout all of that, like I felt incredibly like content. And I just felt again, protected. And I felt like God was going to take care of it. Like at, at a certain point, I was like, I've done all I can do. I've, I've applied to hundreds of jobs. If I have to go home to Virginia, then then that is just like what's in the cards. And I guess God will, then I guess like that's what's meant for me. Um, and right at the last minute, like right before I'm about to like go on unemployment and like start looking for, you know, ways to move back, um, I, I get this amazing job where it's not necessarily in design, but I help designers um, find jobs of their own, which I feel like is so rewarding and is something that like I have ample experience in. Um, <laughs> and it also freed up a lot of headspace to fall back in love with design because as anyone in a creative career knows, like when you're doing things on a production level, sometimes, and it's not necessarily for you or the clients that you'd want to work with or the projects that you want to be on, it can be, even though it's creative work, it can be incredibly draining. And and so now I have the headspace again to like fall in love with design and um, also help people and, you know, just learned a lot. And that, you know, when I wasn't white knuckling the steering wheel, that like maybe God actually knew what he was doing. Yeah. There you go. Hey, will you give it up for Shannon Jenkins? Uh, 
so good. Thank you, Shannon. There's like so much to resonate with there. And I just, I loved how we could actually see um, the progression. Now, notice everyone, like that was like a particular season in Shannon's life. We started here and went there and went there. Like my guess is as many of us, you know, um, you know, there might be like when we do that in our 20s. And then there's when we do this in our 30s. <laughs> Oh, maybe a couple times in our 30s, right? And then maybe a couple times in our 40s. Yeah, I'm only on my first version in the 40s, uh, but I'm, I'm anticipating probably a few more to go. So it's, it's not like we make it once and then we're done. But let's talk a little bit more about this disorientation season, that part where, man, everything feels like it just starts to fall apart and things that were working for you before aren't working for you anymore and now there's there are questions and there's doubt and there's pain and man is god even there you know it's so interesting because this is actually really classic kind of church language that we're using i mean that especially thinking about the book of psalms and saying hey there are psalms of orientation disorientation and reorientation like that language has been out there for a long time so what's really interesting about this season, though, is that there's a, a new word that people use more these days that really fits just as well in this category. And actually, there's all sorts of like debate around it right now. Like, are you allowed to do this? And I'm like, have you read the Psalms? Um, deconstruction, right? Disorient, disorientation and deconstruction are in so many ways, it's, it's just different names for the same thing where we're saying like, man, what we were doing before is not working in the same way. And so what do we do? And we're probably gonna end up feeling like whether we're the ones tearing it down or a big wrecking ball has just come and knocked it down, things are changing one way or the other. Um, our friend Donna Berkland, who is in the process of starting a new little church in Orange County called Safe Harbor or Orange County, and we are so excited about that little church. She asked a question on Instagram recently, which is the question, why did you begin to deconstruct? Again, we could call that, what, what caused you to feel disorientation? Why did you begin to deconstruct? And in Shannon's story, so much of what we heard was just life. I mean, it's just like life is confusing. And the easy answers are not always going to work. They're a perfectly appropriate place to start, but they're not always going to work. So many of the answers that Donna got uh, as she asked that question on social media, on Instagram, were really more about the church. It wasn't just life, but it was particular ways that the church was not helpful, was in fact hurtful as people got to this more difficult season. And so here are just a few of the answers that Donna received when she posted this question. Black Lives Matter. As soon as I could clearly see the church's role in allowing systemic racism to thrive, that caused a season of deconstruction. Coming out, having the experience that the church is not welcoming, is not supportive. Seeing men lead in places that I wasn't allowed to lead in as a woman. Reading the Bible for the first time all the way through <laughs> and realizing the inconsistencies. Trump, then officially March 2020, so politics and the church's complicity in the political realm, political abuses, spiritual abuse from a pastor, 
when we end up in this season, we're not crazy. We're not just imagining it. We're not, it's not because you have weak faith. It's because life actually is messy. The Bible is actually messy. The questions are real. You're not wrong when you end up in seasons of disorientation and deconstruction. And that's part of the reason that we end up seeing it in the scripture, because this is, in the psalm, it's just an honest reflection of the types of prayers that we pray. So I'm going to invite Isabel to come up again. This is how the psalm continues. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Did you hear the questions and the struggles there? In this part, he's, he's noticing, man, there's a world full of injustice and inequity. And I don't like that. And there's also a piece of me that's jealous. Because if the world's going to be a place of injustice and inequity, why do I have to be on the bottom? Why can't I be one of the people who has it easy, who has the money, and has the power and the pleasure? Real questions like that in scripture, because these are the prayers that we're allowed to pray. Let's read a little more. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. He's suffering. He's actually not doing well. When he wakes up in the morning, he's not excited about the day ahead. I mean, I read that and maybe because it's a, I'm a person who has had some experiences with depression, but I'm like, he sounds depressed. Even this morning, I was talking with someone about those days where sometimes you just want to curl up in a little ball. And how do you deal with that? It's the human experience we get to read about in the psalm. Let's read one more. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. There's such raw emotion there. My heart was grieved, my spirit bitter. I felt like a brute beast before you. There may actually be some deep and raw emotions that you've had towards God, towards whatever, however you conceive of the spiritual, some deep anger, deep woundedness. Isn't it good to know that you're actually allowed to express it? You actually get to feel it? Again, from this book we're going to be going through over the next few weeks uh, for those who choose to join. Sarah Bessie, who collected all of these dis different uh, prayers, 
she starts out in the introduction. She's just thinking about this idea of prayer and particularly about this season of disorientation. And she writes this, often when we find ourselves at a crossroads in our faith, rethinking everything from church to scripture, to family, to art, to politics, to science, to prayer, we think we have only two options, double down, really try to pretend to yourself you're still in the season of orientation where everything's okay. You can double down or you can burn it down. That's what we think the options are. But then she goes on to ask, what if there is a third option? An option where prayer is still for you because you still get to cry out to God. You still get to yell, weep, praise, sit in the silence until until you sink down into the love of God that has always been holding you, whether you knew it or not. So uh, orientation, disorientation, reorientation is when you, you kind of emerge. You don't, you can't sit and you can never tell someone, right, who's in this phase of deconstructing disorientation like oh oh it's gonna be great on the other side no you actually just have to sit here you cannot accelerate the process but in, in God's goodness there's often another phase right as we grow and we mature we move towards reorientation and this sense of like oh I can hold the tension of both I can look at the past and the pain. I can look at the past and the goodness. And I can be full of gratitude. I can experience contentment. I can rest in my belovedness. Uh, would you mind reading a couple passages for me? We only read this one too. So this is, uh, this is where, uh, where he starts, the psalmist starts. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. This, this is a change. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to God, and I'm going to try to get a bigger perspective. And we're not going to unpack all this today. That's why we're doing a whole series. But it's like that invitation to a bigger, a higher viewpoint. Uh, if you want to read the, the next section. Okay. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. So in this bigger perspective, the, the person who's writing this psalm says like, oh, I, I was with you here and I was with you here. I'm with you always. There's a sense of like, oh, I, I can rest in God's presence. In some sense, here there's this insistence upon the transcendence of God, the greatness, the goodness, the power. But that moves to like, yes, and the very presence of God right here in this world. You want to read the last line? Thanks, Isabel. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So finally, there's just this movement. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to keep the main thing the main thing. I mean, it's good for me to be near God. Sometimes it hurts, but it's good for me to be near God. I can rest in God's goodness. It's this process of 
reorienting our lives and holding all of that tension together. And so I hope as, as you've listened today, you might have connected with one of these emotions or maybe something else. That's your season now. I want to bless that season and suggest that maybe God is in that season, whatever it is.